Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bryler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Well, here we are, Chris, on a Monday. I mean, we we said, uh, dude, no headphones. Said you feel naked sitting over there. If people don't recognize me, I, I do feel I feel naked here. If, just so people know, I want to give them the quick backstory. <laughs> I'm gonna well, hold on. Let me let me let me close out the music for this story <laughs> before we get going here. I'm prepping for the show. I'm getting ready for the show. My kids are bouncing a ball around the house. I tell them stop bouncing the damn ball. I got water on the table. They keep bouncing the ball. Long story short, water spills over, lands on the laptop, laptop goes to shit. So here I am trying to do this from my phone makeshift. I've got no headphones on. I feel I feel naked. I can't even see the comments in the chat section. So yeah. we'll, we'll try to make it work. We're going to yeah. make it work. We are going to make it work, and we're super excited to make it work because we are joined today by Davis Warren, quarterback for Thanks Michigan. For- he he could be happy. He couldn't be happier to be here, man. He could not be happier to be here. Uh, of spring game fame. Well, that's what we'll that's what we'll say now. Davis Warren kind of uh, became a, a household name around Michigan fan base a little bit after the spring game. Davis, thanks for, so so much for joining us, man. Excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, well, that's that's where I want to start is with the spring game. And so I went back and I looked at the numbers. You were 12 of 23 for 175 yards in the spring game, and so. Before we get into your background, I just uh, can you talk briefly about how good did it feel to be in that position in that game and to be able to go out there and, and even though it was a spring game, put on that kind of performance? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it felt really good uh, just being able to get out there, spin it around a little bit, um, you know, do just kind of do what I felt like I've been doing all spring and just kind of have it in a more game like setting. Uh, it was it was awesome, especially after last year, you know, just being you know, the reality is I'm sitting on the sidelines. So uh, watching, watching Kate and JJ go do their thing. Um, but, you know, you always want to be out there. You know, you're a part of the game plan every week. You want to, and you, you know, you're watching film and doing everything you got to do, but not being able to play. Uh, that's, that wasn't easy. So being able to go out and just kind of play, play the game that, you know, I love to love to play was, was really sweet. I want to ask something real quick. So you, you mentioned getting out there and spinning around, how about taking some shots, man? No red jersey on old Davis, man. They let they let they let the D line <laughs> off a little bit. What's that all about, man? I mean, were you were you expecting to take a few hits or how did that how did that come together? I, I was. I think I found out maybe like a week before. Um, and so I kind you know, you kind of gotta get your mind right for it a little bit. Um and Coach Harbaugh put me in a couple of those situations uh last year, just in practice and stuff. You know, quarterbacks mostly aren't live, but kind of he knew knowing my situation and what I what I'd come from in high school. Um, I, you know, I want to prove to them that I can, I can play, I can really play ball and play when it's real. Um, and so I, I took a couple, couple licks here and there, but nothing, nothing too bad. So, <laughs> well, what I want to do is before we expand on a little bit about, you know, your Michigan career and what your goals are there, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because after the spring game, I, I caught wind of your backstory and I thought it was just incredible. And I thought, man, you know, I don't know about this. Brandon didn't know about it. I, th- I think a lot of the, the Michigan fan base doesn't know about it. But you had a battle with leukemia, and this was 
a couple years back, a few years back. But I want you to sort of just kind of take the Michigan fans through that. When, you know, when did you find out what was going through your mind when you find out? And then, and then what is that process like for a young kid? Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I was, I was, uh, I was diagnosed in, in March of 2019. So that was coming out of my junior season. Um, and I mean, I think it's hard to really put into words like that kind of four or three or four day stretch when I was, we were trying to figure out exactly what was happening, you know, what the, what the diagnosis was, that sort of thing. But I mean, it's, it was, it was shocking. It was, you know, everything you can think of. Um, and I really, at that point, I was like, is there anything worse that can happen to me right now than this? You know, that was really like what I thought. Um, and it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, and it was completely out of left field in my eyes. Cause I was, I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't, you know, didn't have all my strength, whatever, but I thought I was just a little sick, you know, something well, I that's what I was, I was gonna ask. What, what were some of those early symptoms that you had that sort of, you know, propelled you to go to the hospital or get checked out? Um, just some swollen lymph nodes in my neck and then, uh, my dad, and then I was just like, felt kind of, kind of icky and not great. And my dad was actually like, like, we got like, you're not right. We got to go. So he had that like fatherly instinct. Like we had to go, go get checked out. Um, and they, you know, I think that they found out pretty quickly that they, that something was pretty wrong. So, I mean, I actually told him that day when he was like, we got to go to the urgent care. I'm like, dad, like I got a seven on seven tournament tomorrow. Like I'll be fine till then, like whatever. But he was adamant that like we had to go. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much longer I would have gone before things would have gotten worse, but, um, he, he just knew, he knew something was up. Yeah. So, so I got, I got get, a quick question. Oh, well, go ahead, Brent. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because you, I, I read the story. You were, you, you wanted to still go play in the seven on seven tournament and you felt like you just used the word icky. I mean, it wasn't like you were, you know, laid out and couldn't move or anything. Can you think back to like over the course of your career, if you had ever played a little sick before or a little, maybe with a head cold or like how different did this feel? And, and like, it just seems so random that your dad was like, no, this, this time we're going to check something out. Cause something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, I've, I, I like, I, you know, grow up being, being an athlete, you like, you know, think you're a tough guy. You, you know, you right. get a little sick here. You got a little stuffy nose. You're fine. Um, I mean, this was noticeably worse okay. uh, than that. Um, and I think just like, my neck, I had all the bumps on my neck and stuff, which was kind of alarming. Um, but I mean, I really thought I had mono. I just thought I had mono and I was going to get some antibiotics and I'd be out of there. But that definitely ended up not being the case. So, so when you find, when you get the diagnosis and you find out, you know, you're a young athlete, what is, what is the next step for somebody like you? Obviously there's a period of time where you can't play sports. You know, this was 2019. So relatively recently. So Describe that process a little bit. You get the diagnosis, you find out, what do you do from there? Yeah, I think um, for me, I mean, first, I'm, I'm just very lucky that the team of doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals that I had was world class. And all they wanted to do was, was help me. But the, the reality was, like, I definitely had to put football aside for a little bit. It wasn't about that anymore. Um, so I was um, I was in treatment for... So the doctors told me five to eight months is, is typical recovery time. Um, and I was just, I was adamant on like being back at school and playing, trying to play football in the fall, which when I told them that they were not, they didn't, they didn't need to really think that was a possibility. They were 
pretty much convinced it wasn't. And part of it is, I think, you know, they didn't know, you know, that's, they have to say that that's their job. Right. So, um, I don't blame them for that, but that was my goal. And I, the reality is like, I was done in four and a half, four and a half months. So I, I broke all the, the, the guidelines, you know, I did everything, tried to do everything I could to like get myself back and get myself healthy. Uh, but it wasn't really until those like second, uh, second, those last two and a half months, um, where I really felt like I was getting, trying to get back to playing and being like an athlete again, instead of just trying to be healthy and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure the question that comes to mind when people hear that is, you know, you obviously like to your point, you had a good team of doctors around you giving you good advice, but was there something, you know, special that you were doing to, to make your recovery time so much less? Or do you think it's just a matter of like things just happen to work in your favor? I mean, I'm just so lucky is the way that I think of it. I mean, you can do, there's so many kids that, that do the right thing and do the things they're supposed to be doing. And, and the reality is they don't, you know, things don't go their way. And so, um, I mean, I, I did everything the doctors asked and, and, and then the reality is I just got lucky and I'm just very, very blessed for that. I mean, there's no real, real other way to put it for me. Um, cause you know, with just the way that, that those, those hospitals work and that sort of thing. I mean, I'm just, I just count myself lucky. It's pretty much the only, only way I can, I can think of it. Sure. Well, lucky in more ways than one. I mean, you're at the University of Michigan now, which is a pretty cool thing. And that's kind of what, you know, I want to move to now. So you go through this period of, you know, this, this, this difficulty where you have something to overcome. But in the midst of all of that, you're being recruited by the University of Michigan. You're having discussions with Jim Harbaugh. Can you take us through what your early recruitment with Michigan was like and what some of those early discussions with Jim Harbaugh were like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't really, I mean, the first, the first thing, you know, for, for me and, and talking with him and, and at that point, uh, it was coach, coach McDaniels and coach Kasula, uh, was, was just a lot about, you know, they, they were, they, I can think they knew that I had talent that I, I that I could, that they thought I could play at this level, but the reality is I just had nothing to back it up. So, um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky being from, from LA to train with a lot of top guys and, college and the NFL, stuff like that. And so I've, I've seen it firsthand. So I knew from that, that I had the talent to, to play at this level. I just really never got an opportunity to show myself. So, um, and I think they kind of had a, a bit of an idea of it, but from their perspective, you know, I don't, I, I understand, you know, being a walk on and being just able to get my foot in the door was such a huge thing for me because I, I knew that I could, I could play at this level. And um, I just had to convince convince them once I got here that I could play at this level. Um, so those, those early conversations were more just, you know, they just want to get a feel for me, understand like my story, my background, uh, what I came from. And then, you know, they understood, you know, the, I mean, the draw of Michigan speaks for itself. Um, right. Academics, the, the football program, that whole thing, you know, regardless of the season they'd come off of, I knew they were a strong team. And I heard a lot of great things about Coach Casula and Coach Gaddis. So, um, it was, you know, I had some options, but I, I kind of always knew that Michigan was where I wanted to be. But see that I want to expand on that. So you, you did have some options and, and people ask, like, you know, you walk on at the university of Michigan, you got guys like a Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, you have, you have other guys that are there from your perspective. What is it that you're gaining at the university of Michigan outside of academics? 
And and just how good do you think you can be? Because I, I read a quote and I'm not sure where it was from, because again, I don't have my laptop in front of me, but I read a quote where you essentially said, look, if I want to get to where I got to be, like I got to be able to compete at that level at Michigan. And so a lot of people look at it and they're like, they're confused. Like, well, he's probably not going to play. Why would he make that decision? Can you walk people through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I had, I had some, some Ivy and D3 or Ivy and like Patriot league opportunities, uh, that I was looking at also along with some other kind of walk-on spots, um, at other power five schools. But I just really like, I knew that I had to see the game at this level. I knew I had to see it in practice, see it on the field, uh, especially because of what I've heard about how, how from other people about what they think about me and, and my, my skills and my abilities. So I just had to, had to see it because I would never be able to live with myself if I didn't see it. And, um, and people, people definitely thought I was like, why, why would you go to Michigan? Like you literally didn't play high school football for three years. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Um, and hopefully, you know, I have a long way to go, but um, I'm at least moving in the right direction in terms of show, showing some people that that I can do it. So that is kind of crazy. Have you? Okay, I don't. I don't know of one. Have you talked to anybody else out there at any level, or that that is at a big time program or any program for that matter that hadn't played high school football for three years before getting to college? Because I I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know anybody. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, when I, when you explain it that way, yeah, it does sound crazy. But from my perspective, I was always just like, I knew, and I, and like even, uh, in the fall of, in the fall of 2020, like me and Kayshawn Bennett, who's at the end here, uh, we, we went to the same, same prep school and, you know, we had, we had a good team. We had a lot of, you know, division one football players and we never played a game, but we practiced and stuff like that. So that was a part of it. Right. Um, but, like I said, just being around like big time guys uh, at home and seeing them, seeing them operate in the way that they, you know, throw the ball around and stuff like that. I, I, I didn't have a doubt in my mind that I could, I wouldn't, I would, that I would be able to fit in here and, and even excel. So. So in terms of your development, obviously working with a guy like Jim Harbaugh and his experience is going to pay huge dividends, but Matt Weiss has been inserted into the fold. And can you kind of describe what it's been like being able to work with Matt Weiss as a quarterback's coach during your time there? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Coach Weiss from when he, like I said, like he didn't really, he didn't recruit me at all. Um, but from when he got here, um, you know, last spring, I wasn't here till the summer, but even just talking with him then, and then just the way that he understands the game at such a, you know, the 500 level, like we like to say, he understands the game at the 500 level. And, you know, whether it's, you know, the running back's path on a certain play or, route depth for this or that or quarterback drop, whatever it is. He understands every, every aspect of it. And I think that's been huge for me. Um, Cause in, in high school, like, you know, you just don't get that depth of knowledge. And so being out, being here, um, having, I mean, we have a really tight knit group in the quarterback room. We all feed off each other really well um, along with having, you know, of course, coach Harbaugh is awesome. And then coach Weiss in there, you know, you just learn so much every day. Um, and it's just, I mean, I just taken tons of notes and even, even last fall camp, I just remember just sitting in there and just being like taking notes every single time, every single time something is said, just because they're, they, they know what they're talking about. Um, and then moving into like game planning and stuff like that. Coach Weiss was such a big part of that last year that, um, and, and the whole offensive staff and just learning off of all of them uh, was really, really impactful. And 
it definitely set me up well this spring to just kind of go kind of go show all that and, and and bring it all out because you know last year i was working more scout team stuff yeah well that so last year i'm, I'm glad you brought up last year because it, it's clear that last year was a special team that 2021 squad was a special team and leading up to the season the players could feel it i think we interviewed maybe you know 14 or 15 players leading up to the season and everybody talked about the energy they talked about you could just feel something different in shem beckler and part of it was you know the younger staff that was in place and some of it was just a new mentality on the roster can you describe what what is the vibe like in the locker room going into this season compared to last season? Yeah, I mean, part, part some of it's hard for me to comment on specifically because I wasn't here in 2020, so I didn't feel the the change. I just, I mean, when I came here last June, I like knew immediately. I was like, I think we're, I think we're a damn good football team. Um, and at the time. I didn't, I didn't really have any context for that because I just been playing high school football. So it's, but you know, I, you know, you're on, I've been on some good teams in my life and you, you know, the vibe, you know, the feeling, you know, how everyone works off each other. And we, and I, when I came in to, to uh, Ann Arbor in the, in the summer, I was like, yeah, this, this team has that for sure. Um, and that just played out over the course of the year. But I think, I think this year, I mean, you know, the last game really left a bad taste in our mouth. Um, I think even, like, even though, you know, we had a great season, things like that, I mean, people are still, you know, losing an offensive coordinator, losing a defensive coordinator, you know, there's, I think we definitely still have a chip on our shoulder and like, there's no, there's no like resting on what happened last year, that sort of thing. And, and we've been preaching that like in the weight room, you know, some of the, some of the leaders on the team just been preaching that in the weight room and whenever we do stuff on the field, just like, and I think we had a really good spring ball in terms of, you know, just energy and, you know, flying around and everyone, everyone who wants to be in Schneebeckler Hall and, and working out and practicing, you know, they, they want to be there. You want, they, they want to be in the building. They want to, they want to get better. So it's, it's really yeah. exciting. Well, you mentioned leadership. I'm curious, who are some of those guys? You lost a lot of big leadership from last year. You lost guys like Aiden Hutchinson and Brad Hawkins and some of the veterans off the defensive side of the ball. Who are some of the guys that are standing out to you the most? throughout spring ball as some of those leaders who are really stepping up into that role. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's tough replacing some of those guys isn't easy. Um, especially when they've been here, you know, five, I mean, what V, v was here six years. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's not an easy thing to do, but I think, I mean, we just got, we got, we just have, I think we have, especially, you know, I'm probably better equipped to talk about the offensive side of the ball, but, just even on offense, I mean, guys, guys coming back, like, I mean, even Ronnie, Ronnie's, you know, he didn't do a lot in the spring, but, um, you know, especially in the receiver room with a lot of young talent, like he's just awesome with those guys and, and getting them right. And then, um, you know, Zint and Trente and, and even Olu, those guys that have come in, they've been, you know, Olu's come in and just been awesome. So, you know, there's definitely not on offense. There's no, no doubt that, you know, we're just going to pick up right where we left off. Um, and just just keeps things rolling because we're, you know, we got a lot of we got a lot of talent. We're just excited to roll. So now, last question. Be, this is fun. the last one that I have, and I didn't I didn't put this uh, I didn't put this on my list. But I'm just curious. Brandon and I talk about this a lot of times. We go through the list. You guys have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Do you get the sense that in 2022 that this offense is going to look as dynamic as it as it can be with the pieces you have in place? The reason I say that is because a lot of people get the sense that it was pretty run heavy last year and they were looking, you know, at some of these big weapons you have on the perimeter. 
whether or not those those were going to be utilized. And then going into this year, you see even more of those types of weapons. So you do you get the sense that maybe the offense is going to open up a little bit this year? And I hate to it it sounds crit- it's hard to be critical of a team that won a Big Ten championship and went to the playoff. But you know, we 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 want to see the what I want to see what you did during the spring game a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're just I mean, in the quarterback room, we're just, you know, we're just taking what the defense gives us. So I'll leave you a little <laughs> bit with that. But, um, you know, some of those some of those throws down the field uh, in the spring game were, you know, we knew we had matchups that we wanted to take advantage of. And, um, yeah, I know, you know, we're not, a, you know, none of us in the QB room are afraid to cut it loose. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just in the receiver room, it's just stacked. It's just, you know, you it's like you can't even have, you know, you can't even have enough of them on the field at once. And even, you know, the tight end group, the running back, all of them. I mean, they have guys that can play all over the place. So, you know, I mean, it's up to, it's up to coach Weiss and, and coach Moore, you know, what they want to do. But, you know, if a team, if a team thinks they're going to come in and, and, you know, have to defend the pass, then we're going to, you know, we're going to pound it down their throat. If they, if they think they're going to stack the box and we're going to go cut it loose. So, you know, that's not, not that different from, from, I think the mentality last year, but, I mean, it's it's exciting, and um, it's you know seeing the guys in practice, and uh, you know being able to just you know even not not even I mean I'm not even with the ones, and we're you know I still got a ton of guys who I can cut it loose to. So there's yeah. a ton of a ton of depth, and it's 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 pretty it's makes it easier makes it way easier to play quarterback when you got guys <laughs> that can that can make plays and and do things like that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, Brandon, you got anything left? Yeah, I wanted to ask. I mean, the, the most important question, right? Unfortunately, Davis, you showed out in the in the spring game, but you lost. How are the hot dogs? How, how are the hot dogs after? By the way, they were not boiled. Zach Zinner said they were going to be boiled. They didn't look boiled to me. <laughs> I I will confirm they were grilled. So uh, they were grilled. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't I don't mind a good hot dog. I had I was saying to somebody I hadn't had a good hot dog in probably like three years. So. Uh, they were cold and they were not that good. So, um, it was kind of tough too. Cause it was like Monday, it was raining. We had lost and it's, I mean, we, we all, we all hate losing. We're a competitive group. So we had lost, you know, it was just kind of tough. The, the blue team just in our face and then just, walk, you know, they literally just, they have white tablecloths down upstairs and then we walk downstairs and it's just bags of, of hot dogs. <laughs> so that's good stuff. I had to eat so a couple of those and then go find something else to eat. So it's tough. I was curious about that. I, I promise my last hot dog question, I promise. But so we're in Southeast Michigan. It's like the Coney dog capital of the world, right? Chris, you lived a lot of years in Chicago. You got the Chicago style dog. We got an LA kid. Is that like what is what do LA people do with their hot dogs? Is there anything special or you just keep it simple? I mean, they don't even eat hot dogs in LA. They might not. That's what I want to know. We just eat we just eat tacos. You guys got hot dog stands, we got taco stands. So a couple a couple Dodger dogs. Those are those are big. Uh going to some Dodger games. Um, but no, more I mean I would I would have loved some tacos, but that wasn't (laughs) the uh that wasn't what the what the menu had. Not in the right, cards. So I'll get back to a real question now. So, so the spring game obviously you're, is in the books now. You guys have been off. You got some time to yourselves. I think at, right after the spring game. Actually, no. You had one more practice after the spring game. So, I wanted to ask about that. What was the very last practice? Because the Michigan fans in the stadium didn't see the very last one, but we did get to see the spring game. So, what was the very last practice of the year all about? What was that like? And what have you been doing, you know, since? And and what's coming up in the next couple of weeks and months? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the last practice was kind of just cleaning things up. Um, just kind of trying to end on a high note. Um, so, you know, some of the guys that played a lot in the spring game, uh, you know, kind of took it a little lighter, but um, it was, you know, still high energy. We want to finish, you know, we kind of preached like we wanted to finish on a high note. Um, and then since then, we've just been getting after in the weight room, Coach Herb, just, you know, doing everything. Um, and then as we kind of head into this May break, I'm, you know, we're just kind of getting geared up for summer because, you know, once we, once the June workouts start, it's just, you know, they really just hit the ground running. So, yeah, um, yeah it's kind of all the, it's now it's turned towards the actual season, which is exciting. Yeah, for sure. And as a quarterback, I mean, we hear about these, we hear about these chemistry building sessions all the time where quarterbacks will grab their guys. You guys will go out to a field somewhere. I'm not sure if you're allowed to go to Glick and do and do stuff there. I mean, you can clear that up a little bit too, but how do those things come together? How do those, those player led workouts come together where the quarterback grabs a bunch of dudes, you go out and throw and how long are those sessions? What kinds of things are you doing? Like just kind of run us all through how some of that stuff works. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, we can, I mean, we can go in whenever we want and Glick and, and do whatever we got to do, especially with this weather. But uh, we, <laughs> um, we, I mean, a lot of it's just trying to clean things up. Um, you know, we do, you know, you only get so much time in spring ball and, um, you know, now it's pretty much on us until fall camp, which, you know, fall camp, then you're only three weeks, three and a half weeks from the first game. So you like, these are huge. Uh, it's something I really learned last summer was just how important these things are, you know, getting all the quarterbacks together. Cause even, even all the quarterbacks, like we want to get together and, mm. you know, check up on each other in terms of footwork and, and different things we're working on, you know, we, like me and, uh, me and JJ are pretty close in terms of like working on similar stuff with our mechanics and different things. So um, checking in on stuff like that and making sure we're all on the same page um, with footwork and certain things and then getting all the receivers together and just making sure and the tight ends and the running backs and making sure like heading into fall camp, we're, we're, you know, oiled up and ready to go. There's no, there's no rust that needs to be knocked off and, and stuff like that. So I mean, they were big last year for me, especially just coming in trying to learn the offense. But especially now this year, being able to, you know, really take in the young guys, um, quarterbacks, you know, taking taking Alex and, and Jaden and helping them out, and you know, Cade and whoever, and even Allen, like how, them them helping me out with different things is is huge. So, and the same thing, like I said, the same thing happens with receivers with Ronnie and and those guys, and, and we're really committed to getting that stuff done. And, and, you know, we don't need the coaches to tell us to do this or do that. Like we know kind of, you know, we talk about things we need to work on and at the end of spring ball, and then we, we go and get it done. There you go. A couple comments from the fans here and we'll let you go uh, Davis, but really again, want to thank you for stopping by and talking with us. It's been great. I know people got excited seeing you throw the ball around. And then again, like Chris said here in your story, man, just incredible stuff. But I thought that <laughs> Dwayne, uh, LA must have those vegan carrot dogs out there, right? The Cali, the Cali. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, there's I don't a lot know. of vegan places in an Arbor. So we, we don't need a, Very true. There's a <laughs> no change. We yeah, don't we, need to stereotype yeah. LA people now. Do yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> That's right. And I don't know if this is just, John being curious about this or if this was actually talked about, was there any discussion about a position change for you before you got to Michigan or was it, was it always quarterback given that you, you missed some time like you did? Uh, always quarterback. Yeah. No, no position change at all. So, and then there was one other one that I thought was pretty, Oh, this is a good one. 
Denard Robinson made the number 16 famous. <laughs> He's back on staff now. What's have there been any discussions with Shoelace about the jersey number? I mean, has he told you to untie yet? your cleats? Yeah, anything, anything he at all. He is not. He's been total support. Um, I mean, should the, I don't know. I don't want to get into the discussion of whether they should retire his jersey or not. I'm not. I'm not as enough well versed enough in 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 Michigan football lore to do that. But uh, yes, I mean, since he's come in, he's been nothing but good to me and and supporting me. And you know, he he, he hasn't given me too much for it. I also I, I won't be on time. My shoelaces either. I think I need him tied up to. I still can't imagine how he did that. So it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. Well, I will say, I will say very quick lesson. You will not get much pushback from the Michigan fan base. If you recommend retiring that number, I, I, I yeah. will say that. So there you go. Yeah. Well, the cool, the cool part is that when, you know, I think they sell the 16 Jersey and not mine, but technically Denard's Jersey, but it doesn't have his name on it. So it's cool. Like whenever I'm in the stands, whenever I'm on the field and like, there's just a ton of 16 jerseys out. I'm like, Absolutely. You know, people, I've got a couple in my closet right Davis now. Warren <laughs> exactly. Everyone's got a Davis Warren Jersey. So, um, awesome. of course I didn't get a ton of any of those, but it is what it is. So that is awesome. That is a good, uh, a good note to end on right there. A little humor yeah, from, little humor from Davis Warren uh, to send us on our way. Davis, again, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was really cool to talk with you and learn about your story. And best of luck moving forward, my man. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. There you go. Davis Warren, like I said, everybody kind of learned who the kid was from the spring game. He really showed that, okay, he's a walk-on. He hasn't played in a while, but the dude can spin it, man. And I I didn't put up all these comments because I didn't want it to be distracting while he was talking, but – I mean, people are like, you know, tell Davis Warren I said hi. Uh, this kid, the the spring surprise, the, the quickness of the game did not affect him. He can throw the rock. This kid's a beast. I mean, like, it, it was the spring game, and it, it you know it was it was uh, it was a mix up of the roster. But when a quarterback's out there throwing it like that, like he's throwing it like that, it doesn't matter who it's against. Yeah. They're out there, and it was pretty apparent that he wasn't like your typical walk on. And again, the story that he told, and why his recruitment was delayed and you know, completely altered everything yep. about what would have happened for him. Like you kind of, you kind of get a sense of that when you see him throw it a little bit and, and dude, how could you not be a fan of that kid, man? I, yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's great that he was able to have that performance in the spring game because had he not had that performance, we wouldn't have had him on the show and I probably still wouldn't know about his backstory. And so I think that's why things like this are, are super cool. And again, why, why the NIL stuff is so important because there can be a greasy side to NIL, but there can also be a really good side to NIL, which is, you know, a guy like that being able to come on and tell his story and, and have sure. fans hear it. So, man, I'm, it, here's what I'll say about Davis Warren. He, he's not obviously the most popular name, but that kid believes he can play with anybody on the field. I, I know that about him from what I've read. He believes that he can be that guy. And so whether it's at the University of Michigan, whether it's somewhere else, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of a guy like that. He's, he clearly is a fighter. He's a guy who knows how to battle. He went through, you know, one of the biggest battles you can go through in life. So football probably seems like small fries. Biggest fighter on that roster, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. you'd, have a, you'd have a hard way of, uh, of saying it any other way. So, you know, um, Lots of health and success and, and, and good vibes and good times for that kid while he's at Michigan. And like you said, uh, whatever whatever he chooses to do, you you get the sense that he's going to make it work. So really cool to have him there. Again, you're right. I, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to use the term walk on like it's this horrible negative thing. But like, you know, we're not we're not having a lot of walk ons come on the podcast. It's just right. not 
not really what you do, but he goes out and performs like he does in the spring game. And then you hear about his story and it's like, well, that's a no brainer, dude. Let's get him on and talk to him. As soon as you came to me with the idea, I was like, dude, yes, get him. Let's, yeah. let's, let's talk to him and see what that's all about. So really cool to have him on. Um, good stuff. And, and hopefully another note, another note about, uh, interviews Wednesday, we're going to have on Paul Judah. Look, I, I can't, I can't go down the list of everything that Paul Judah has won, like over the last week or even two weeks, the guy's just dominating, uh, men's gymnastics. I think he just won another national title over the weekend. So he's going to come on Wednesday. He's also another kid that, and we've talked about this before, but a lot of people like to brag about how well, you know, Michigan athletics is doing across the board. And this is one of those guys that's really helping that narrative become a reality and his backstory, you know, Again, just like Davis Warren, his backstory is equally as interesting and in, in how he got to Michigan, and I think people want to hear it. Very cool. Well, Chris, I actually need to plug my computer, and I forgot I didn't bring my power cord over, and it's on like 14%, so I don't want it to die in mid-sentence while I'm speaking here. So I'm going to give you the floor. Can you do okay. a very quick outline, outlay of this Michigan State-Ohio State spring game? I don't want to call it a fiasco because I think Michigan State's was – I'm going to give you the floor. You lay out Michigan State, Ohio State spring football so far. I will be back in about 30 seconds once I get my power cord. Go. Well, as far as the – let me start with Ohio State first. I watched Ohio State. They obviously looked good. C.J. Stroud looked good. But they looked good last year too in the spring game, and everybody thought they were going to be scary, and they looked scary for a good chunk of the season, but we found out that they were human. So I'm not reading too much into how well Ohio State you know, played or didn't play during the, the spring game. But the Michigan State spring game, I was really surprised by it. If you looked on social media, they were sort of talking this thing up. I saw one person say, like, we don't even know if there's going to be any stand or any seats available in the stands because they're bringing in all of these all of these recruits. There's going to be this talent there. There's going to be this rapper that's going to be on site, T Grizzly or whatever the hell his name is. And to me, it just looked like a snooze fest. It looked like a glorified practice. I was bored watching it. Um I maybe watched through like the first half. My wife is coming down to refill my wine, which I appreciate. <laughs> oh, I heard the clink of the glass. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't read the comments because of my computer. Oh, I thought Brandon would have been. Oh, I, I forgot about that. She did ask in the comments, but I just assumed you oh. would see it. I forgot you. Well, anyway, see. so I was, okay. I, I mean, obviously I wasn't going to be happy with what Michigan state did during the spring. Anyway, listen, Spartan dog could not have been hyped for Saturday because that shit was boring as hell <laughs> and the crowd looked like well, it looked like there was about 500 people on hand to see it so well so that that was the extent of what I saw from the weekend was like I think it was Scott Bell who grabbed all of Mel Tucker's things about like pack the woodshed we want to do this we want to do that and then it was like uh it was, <laughs> it was I like, swear to god dude I swear to god if, if we don't be if we don't beat that trash program in 2022, if we let Mel Tucker come in and go three and oh, yeah, you know, two and oh inside of Michigan Stadium, I just they're getting a little too big for their britches over there down in East Lansing. It happens when they have a little bit of success. Now that Mel Tucker's there, they think they're on their way to a national title. Slapped around a little bit when they come to Ann Arbor. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's how I think. Like beating them is not it's not even going to be good enough. Like they um, need to be destroyed in Ann Arbor by a program that let's just be real is superior. I mean, it sucks that they lost, but it's just a better football program. They need yeah. to show it this fall. I, I caught, I caught the tail end a little bit of what you were saying, but um, you know, Mel Tucker, Michigan state did make that into a big recruiting event. I don't, 
I don't know how great that looks when there's not a very good turnout and the product on the field wasn't all that great, but like and the stadium they're, they're establishing a little bit of traction when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. Tucker's recruiting better than than Mark D'Antonio did for a lot of years. And you know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, Mark D'Antonio wore New Balance 705s and Mel Tucker's rocking Jordans. You know what I mean? Like Mel Tucker knows how to recruit and knows how to appeal to recruits. And and if Michigan State keeps beating Michigan on the football field, it's going to become a problem. So that's why I'm yeah. saying, like, and and we talked about this a little bit before. I'm not going to go into it now because I'm going to put on put up an article about it. But to me, Michigan State, there is only one must-win game on the 2022 schedule, and it's Michigan State. I know that the narrative is Michigan always has to beat Ohio State, and I get that. But if Michigan goes to Columbus and loses to Ohio State, you know, you're down in Columbus, you won last year, you won a Big Ten championship. It's not going to seem that devastating. If you lose to Michigan State and you go 0-3 against Mel Tucker, there's another narrative that's going to start to grow. Like, that's the thing. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan put to bed so many narratives after this last season, but there's one that's still lingering out there. And, and, and if they don't get it done this year, then it's going to become a thing again. I just want to yeah. go a while without there being a thing, you know? Yeah. No, I, I hear you, man. I hear. Did you did you touch on Ohio State's at all? Oh no, that no, their their new celebration. Well, okay. we'll get into that right now, I guess, since you brought it up. I mean, they they're they're trendsetters, right? Just absolute trendsetters, just paving the way, um, just just plowing the field, whatever you want to use. I mean, this new this new tradition that Ohio State has created and invented the turnover cam, dude. Wow. The defense gets a turnover. They all run over to the sidelines and pose for a picture, dude. I mean, what an idea, man. What an idea. Except for Michigan did it last year for the entire season, you morons. What is this <laughs> inventing and introducing a new tradition? All what, what is that about? Like, I first of all, it's fine. It's a cool thing to do. But you can't you can't like champion and like trumpet that you came up with this idea when you very clearly did it. And like, you know, they know Michigan did this last year because I'm sure there were Michigan. I mean, like, you know, when Osborne was like missing on the sidelines during that one <laughs> that one stretch of time, he's like laying in there getting his photo taken. And a lot of people, a lot of people's immediate rebuttal is like, well, Michigan didn't come up with it either. They've been doing this for years in the NFL. Well, a couple things. First, Michigan. I don't think if they if it if they did do this, it just I didn't see it. I don't believe they ever put this big display out like they invented or came up with this new tradition, and it was something that they st they started by themselves. Now, if they did, I retract that statement. They shouldn't have said that because they aren't the first to do this. But it is a little different in the NFL. A lot of the players after a turnover or a big play will run to the end of the field together as a group and pose for the photographers who are there working the game. The Michigan thing is they come over to the sideline, they pose for Aaron Bills, the team photographer, and then they use those photos as decorations around the football buildings. It's slightly different. It's not exactly what the NFL has been doing, but it's it's close. This thing that Ohio State's doing now is exactly, exactly like what Michigan did all of last year. So for them to say that they're introducing a new tradition is just Brandon. Uh, pretty you want to know what the only tradition like, you want to know what the only tradition I care about is winning. Yeah. Winning. Well, yeah. That's yeah. the only tradition oh, I care about. Yeah, got to win. You know, win on the field, you earn a little bit more bragging rights, you get to talk a little bit more shit, you know, whatever. See, that's the thing. How does that work? Like like Ohio State has beaten Michigan, you know, they beat Michigan like 10 years in a row. 
and then Michigan gets a win, and then they beat Michigan another 10 years, and then Michigan gets a win. Are we allowed to talk shit after one win, or do you got to string together like some consecutive wins? Because I feel like I feel conflicted. Like I want to talk shit on one hand, and then on the other hand, I feel like, man, we got to get a couple in a row. Before we yeah, can do you that. Can, you can a little bit, I think, because last year was pretty resounding. It led to a Big Ten title. Michigan played in the playoff. But, it, you know, what have you done for me lately? That's always the thing. It's like the most recent, you yeah. know, Michigan State fans are still chirping all day long because they beat Michigan last year. It doesn't matter that Michigan finished the top of the standings, played in the playoff, pounded Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Michigan State did win last year, and Paul Bunyan is in East Lansing right now. So they they have that. And, and you can't take that away from them. So I feel like it's the same deal with Ohio State. You cannot take away what Michigan did to them last year in the big house, how impressive that was and what it looked like and the picturesque backdrop and Hassan's five touchdowns and all that. I mean, you can't you can't take that away. But you, it's not a thing where you can just run run your mouth nonstop and, and, and just let it fly because, like you said, let's be honest, two out of the last 18 years or whatever is not a whole lot to be bumping your gums about. It's just not. Yeah, but, I mean, and it's all the more reason why, you know, I, I just got done saying Michigan State's probably going to be the most important game on the schedule. But if you're looking to turn the tide in the rivalry, putting together two wins in a row would be really nice. When the hell's the last time Michigan won two games in a row against Ohio State? It's obviously pre-2000s. It's, you know, it's it's over 20 years. Yeah, that's... I don't have it in front of me, but you got, you know, you got to get two wins in a row, I feel like. So I want to talk a little bit of shit, but... I just I don't feel that confident in it quite yet. Just got to uh, get one in Columbus. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Getting one, getting one in Columbus would uh, getting one in Columbus would change things in a in a big way. Um, so, but yeah. you can't have the flu two years in a row, right? Right, right. You right, can't right. use the flu excuse two years in a row. All right, another little small bit of news: Jordan Morant has hit the transfer portal. Not all that surprising, given where he's been at on the depth chart. Um, you know, he's the same class as R.J. Moten who's playing a ton at safety and he's older than Rod Moore who played a lot at safety last year. And now Michigan's bringing in guys like Zeke Barry and Keon Sab and Damani Dent and Makari page even played a little bit last year. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2020, I know he didn't see the field much in 2021, but a pretty crowded room and just not a lot of, uh, a lot of snaps available. In fact, Morant played just seven snaps on defense last year, mostly was, you know, reserved for special teams and didn't do a whole lot. And so he's on his way out. He'll try to find, uh, you know, another program where he can contribute a little bit more. But, you know, this is a guy we had on the podcast, so it's a little bit of a bummer to see him head out and, you know, not really make an impact at Michigan. But it happens this way. I mean, at big-time programs that recruit well and have some success with guys on the field, guys at some of those same positions that are a little further down the depth depth chart – they want to play and you can't really fault a kid like, you know, for making that decision to go out and try to find, try to find some snaps. So Jordan Morant is a Wolverine no more. I mean, thoughts when you saw it, I mean, like I said, it's not like you can't look at it as a big loss, but it, you know, anytime a guy doesn't quite pan out, you're just like, eh, man, I remember following him as a recruit again. We had him on the pod. Um, yeah, so, yeah. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit closer to home this time. Similar to what I felt about when Andre Seldon, you know, entered the transfer yeah. portal. I remember watching his recruitment, thinking, "Yeah, he's undersized, but that guy's a dog, and he's going to be a scrapper out on the out on the perimeter." And yeah, it sucks, but like you said, I mean, that's no, that's a, the only wish. The only thing I wish uh, was different would be sometimes the fan reaction of these guys that enter the transfer portal. Obviously, we we report on it when it happens, and you know, these guys they all want to be good at the university of Michigan. That's why they come here, but they also want to play. And they've also got goals of doing, you know, going to the next level. So I always get 
I don't know. I'm always just frustrated when like you announce that a player has entered the transfer portal and like the fans are just super negative about it. Like, you know, the kid wanted to be here. He wanted to be successful and it just didn't work out. It's okay to wish somebody the best of luck in whatever new endeavor, uh, new endeavor they're going to, you know, uh, take part in. So I wish, I wish Moran luck. Yeah. I mean, East coast, like- right? Jersey kid. Jersey kid, yeah, Jersey kid, yeah. So yeah. we'll see. You know, we'll see where that where he maybe ends up. maybe he'll go to Syracuse, team up with Valario. Sometimes, guys, it's interesting that you bring that up, and you mentioned Andre Selden, who's out in New Mexico. So sometimes guys go, you know, much closer to home. They get back closer to home a little bit. You know, try to find some comfort in that, find their support system, and and find a place to play. Yeah. And other times, it's I mean, you couldn't get much further away from Detroit than New Mexico, where Andre Seldon decided to transfer to. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see where. Well, uh, and, and, and look at what look at what Davis Warren said about coming on as a walk on is that, you know, to paraphrase, he knew if he wanted to to learn the things he needed to learn and play at the level he wanted to play at, the University of Michigan was a good spot. So even for a guy like Jordan Moran, he might not have seen the field a lot during his first two years here. Um, but obviously got a tremendous amount of experience, was surrounded by some of the top coaches in the country. Wherever he lands, he's going to be, you know, probably going to be a top commodity on that roster. He's going to get minutes on the field, and he's probably going to get a better look there than he would have at Michigan. So, you know, again, just wish him luck. Yeah, that's all you can do at this point. That's all you can do at this point. Wish him luck. Hope he has a good spot to land and, uh, you know, maybe make some plays wherever he uh, wherever he winds up. All right, <laughs> this – you put a story up on this earlier today. This whole thing is just weird, dude. Um, for people out there who didn't see it, Devian Smith is playing in the USFL. It's just getting off the ground. Shea Patterson, by the way, not not awesome in his debut the other day. I know he had at least one. Well, that there. depends. On- <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Um, but Devian Smith is viewed. I mean, Shea Patterson was the number one overall pick in that draft for the USFL. I think Davion Smith is viewed as one of the best backs in that entire league. I think there's like eight teams or something like that. Pretty small league, obviously, just trying to get going. Uh, first couple games were over the past week or so. And Davion Smith plays for the Pittsburgh Maulers. I don't know much about this coach. Chris, you put up an article about this whole situation. It's gotten weirder since you published the article, but run down what was in your article, and then we can kind of talk about what's changed or how, what's happened since you you hit you hit publish yeah. on that bad boy. <laughs> Publish. Uh, so what's happened is, well, the video surfaced earlier today and I'm going through social media and I see a video of, of Davion Smith sitting down in what looks like an office with, you know, the head coach of the Maulers. And there's a, few, a couple other people in there and I'm reading the, the headlines and it's about, you know, it's, it says basically he was dismissed for choosing pizza over chicken salad. And so I'm like, well, that sounds a bit ridiculous. Yeah. So I watched the video and There's not a lot you can gather from just that video, but even that video, it just, the whole thing seemed ridiculous to me. It seemed like, you know, I think they were trying to do a hard knock style for the USFL as some sort of promotion thing. And what it seemed like to me was a head coach grandstanding for a camera that he knew was in there. And the unfortunate part is massive power trip. Right. And the unfortunate part is that it comes at the expense of a guy who works his ass off and belongs in the league. And so I thought the whole thing was, was, you know, pardon my French bullshit. I, I looked at it and I saw Davion with his, you know, his hand in or his his head in his hand saying, you know, I'll I'll recover. You know, I just got to keep moving on. And I thought, man, like for everybody out there that looks at these athletes as like, they need to have some sort of loyalty to, to the people they're with or the team they're with or the community, like this is the other side of it. 
there is no loyalty. Like this is a business and videos like this just show you the dude made, he had his his, he had his mind made up before Davion already walked in the room. So and before he could that. even, right. Yeah. Before he could even discuss or ask a question or try to dig deeper, he already had his decision made up. So to me, that says the dude was just looking to put on a show. So, I mean, what from what I can tell online, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have his name in front of me, but from what I can tell online, he doesn't really have a good reputation as a great coach. And and videos like this are, you know, you can see why. Was it Kirby Wilson or Kirby something? Wilson sounds familiar. Um, yeah, you put Kirby Wilson. That is his name. He was a position. But, but now, but, but you said there's more to this, right? It wasn't just about pizza or chicken salad that the, the Maulers put out a statement saying it was about more than that, that there were three violations apparently. Yeah. The Maulers released a statement on Twitter that Davion Smith had committed, uh, had broken three team rules in the span of 24 hours or something like that. And the disrespecting this cafeteria worker was one of them. And, you know, in the video, Davion's like, I didn't do anything. So in all of these instances, anybody who's ever been around any sort of conflict ever, the truth's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, Davion said, all I said was the word yes. Eh, probably not. You know, was it a big deal that he wanted something other than the food was being served? Not at all. So, like, the truth is somewhere in the middle. The coach is making it look like, oh, you were some tyrant and they're throwing a fit about the food choice. Davion's saying, all I did was say yes and walk out. It's probably somewhere closer to the middle. Whatever. Deserve to be kicked off the team? Hell no. Like, I, I can't see anything here that makes it look like he should have been kicked off the team unless there really were several other infractions that Davion Smith is now saying it didn't happen. He's like, I've yeah. you can find Davion Smith on Twitter too. He said, I've got screenshots. It's going to make some people look like liars. I didn't do anything. I've got proof, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you're trying to get this fledgling league off the ground and, and have some good football come out in the springtime. And now it's like, what the hell is this? What's going on? Right. And you said, you know, like, some hard knocks rip off Walmart version and it just looks like trash. And now it's like, what, what the hell is this? Like if you play decent football and you're giving guys a chance who for some reason couldn't quite make it to the NFL, like that should be good enough. But you know, now, what's crazy? now it's you know what's crazy about it. I don't know why you said it like it, the USFL is not a popular league. A lot of people aren't rushing out to watch USFL. Wow. Had this vi had this video gone viral for a coach, maybe like, for all the right reasons, you know, wanting to work with Davion Smith, wanting to give him another opportunity, wanting to show, you know, a commitment to the players. It could have gone viral for all the right reasons. But to me, yeah. it was like this just to me, it felt intentional. It felt like part of the show. And again, it's unfortunate when it comes at the expense of somebody's career because Davion was here and, you know, he's still got a lot of fans here in Ann Arbor. Yeah, and this Kirby Wilson guy, I saw another clip of him. You know, the USFL was trying to, like, promote him. They're like, man, get a coach like Kirby Wilson. And it had, like, the, you know, like the smoke out the nose emoji. Oh, sure, yeah. Strong arm. because he. So I watched that clip, and it's like a minute and a half of him just berating his players during, like, a preseason meeting. Like, Taking look, that Urban Meyer out? <laughs> I am I am all for a coach getting in a player's ass if they do something wrong or they're, they break a team rule or they're – you know, they do something defiant on the field or, or they, or like a team is just performing very poorly. Like dude, anybody who's ever played sports before has had a coach yell at them for doing something wrong. Like I'm, I'm all for that. You know, sports is tough. It's intense. It's high emotion. It's high intensity. You, you're playing poorly. You get chewed out at halftime. You go out there, you know, you, you ramp it up a notch or you break a team rule. You get reprimanded. You serve the consequences. Like I'm all for that. 
This was literally a dude just swearing at his team, dropping F-bombs up and down and yelling at people just to be like, I'm a tough badass. That's that's trash. You, you Like, I also think while, while I'm all in favor of a coach getting on a team's ass when it's necessary, that coach should love those players, man. He should want the right. best of them all the time. He should go to war for those players. He should have their best interests at heart. And I've seen two clips of this guy where I think he doesn't deserve to manage a dollar store. Like, I, I just... I, he just looks like a dude who has no clue how to lead men. And that's why he hasn't ever climbed the ladder in the NFL and has been stuck at, at the position that he's been at. I, like I said, I, I just don't think that's the way you do things. And it sucks that it's at Davion Smith's expense, like you've said a couple of times. But if he is viewed as one of the best backs in the league, then he's going to get another job. Yeah. And it's it's going to be the Pittsburgh Maulers loss and that Kirby Wilson guy, the you know, the brat, I don't even know how, I don't even know what the structure is. Like, are there team owners or is there just one like, CEO? here's or- what I'll say. The oh. only thing that can get me to watch a USFL game now is if some team picks up Davion Smith and they end up playing the mall. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. game I will watch. So I don't know, just a weird, weird situation. Another one of those deals where it's like the, the true story, it probably isn't being completely conveyed, but at the end of the day, it seemed weird that he was, you know, removed from the team and the way that the coach did it wasn't very professional. And then I saw this other clip where he's acting like even more of a jackass. And I'm like, all right, I'm done with this guy. I could care less if I ever see another thing from him. So we'll see what happens with that league, with that team, with Davion Smith, everything. It's been a few years since he's been at Michigan, but I mean, the dude's not very old. He's got some football left in him. And like I said, he's being billed as one of the better backs in that league. So hopefully he gets another shot somewhere because it seemed a little weird. I mean, whatever happened, uh, it seemed a little weird, so we'll we'll see how that ends up playing out. Last, uh, last but certainly not least, a uh, couple Wolverines going off in the NBA playoffs, man. I mean, I know you uh, you're not a huge huge NBA guy, but Jordan Poole is about to sign himself like an eighty million dollar deal, and Duncan Robinson signed himself about a forty or fifty million dollar deal last year for some of the same type of stuff. Jordan Poole scored thirty. And the Golden State's game one win over the Nuggets. And Duncan Robinson just had 27 last night to lead all scores in the Heat's win over the Hawks. So, like, these dudes are balling, man. Like, Jordan Poole, I know I remember, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, ah, I felt like he left a little bit early. No, dude. Majority. <laughs> this dude, this dude is lighting it up. And he, I don't know if carried the Warriors is a little too strong, but he was a major major reason why the Warriors were as good as they were this year while Clay Thompson was still working himself back. Steph Curry just missed a bunch of games with an ankle injury. He's now back on a minutes restriction in the playoffs. So Poole's been getting a lot of run, man. He's been playing 20, 30 minutes a game. He started a bunch of games in a row. He scored like 20 in a row, like 12 or 15 games in a row. He had 20 points or more. Every game he started, I think he scored 20 points and he had 30 the other night and he's just, he's balling, dude. He fits in perfectly with that style of play. Super quick off the dribble, pulls up off the dribble, can get his own shot like like that, dude. I mean, he's just an offensive phenom. And then you've got Duncan Robinson, who's just knocking down four to five to six threes a game because he gets a sliver of a of a space and at six eight rises up and shoots it, man. So awesome to watch these two dudes uh, succeed at such a high level in the NBA. Yeah, I, I, 
well, the thing about Jordan Poole is I remember that. I remember when he declared for the draft, and it was nearly everybody thought it was a mistake. And he was good at Michigan, but he wasn't like all world. Like, he, he, right. he did, you definitely didn't see this coming from him. But I mean, it's a matter of right time, right team, right environment. It's just, it's really cool to see these guys thriving, you know, where, where they're at, because you don't get to see that a lot. I mean, a lot of the times, Michigan players, basketball players will go into the league and, I'll find myself like a year from now being like, whatever happened to that? Where the hell is that guy? These two guys are obviously going to be around for a while. And to be honest, if Jordan Poole's on, you know, any number of other NBA teams, he's probably like their premier player. I think he's getting to that point. You bring up a really good point with that because this is where I really – you just said so many things that make so much sense in the NBA. It's about right place, right time, right team, right culture, right fit. And then you said – if he's on another team, maybe he's the number one scorer. I don't know if that's true because I think being true. in Golden State just boosted him up higher and faster than if he had gone anywhere else. So you, you're that's what I mean. Do you think? Do you think he could take his skill set now? Now, and yes. go to another team, right? Yes, now, yeah. yes. But if he had been drafted by another team or ended up somewhere else, I don't know if it it would have gone anything like this. So you look at a guy like Jordan Poole, you're like, all right. Very good shooter. I don't. I wouldn't even have called him an elite shooter when he was no. at Michigan. Very good shooter. Ha, certainly had a clutch gene. We all remember his his buzzer beater against Houston in the tournament. Can play had above the rim. Fearless. He's not a he's not a dynamic athlete. Like he's not a jump out of the gym guy. But he's he's more athletic than you think. He can finish at the rim. He dunks on people sometimes. When I was going like, to say oh. what was that dunk against Penn State? I think that really stands. Was it Penn State where he like? He, he posterized the guy and yeah, then he maybe. stares into the camera afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And then moves, moves incredibly well without the basketball understands how to cut. That's probably a lot of credit to John Beeline, knowing when to cut, where to cut, how to cut, where to set your, where to set your defender up. He can get his shot off the dribble. He can, he can operate very, very well in the pick and roll. He's, he's outstanding at all of those things. So are there two guys in the NBA who do all of those things better than anybody else that you might want to go learn from? It's Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like yeah. you go learn from those two guys who do everything that you do, but a hundred times better, you're going to get a hundred times better. And that's exactly what's happened with Jordan Poole. And, or you're seeing it now he's in, what is this year four, year three or four? I think this Something is like his, I think this is his fourth year in the league or third. Yeah. Third or fourth. He's still on his rookie contract, so wherever wherever that falls in, that's why he's about to re up and, and hit the you know hit the jackpot with a, a multi year you know probably seventy eighty million dollar deal, and it it just like you said, dude, perfect situation for him to go play with the Warriors to play with those two guys who play a very similar game to him. Neither of them, yeah. you know, Clay Thompson's a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit more built as a defender. Obviously, Steph Curry more of a ball handler, a little smaller, but skill set wise, they do a lot of the same stuff. And so for Jordan Poole to go there and learn from those two dudes, it's 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 not really shocking that he's he's as good as he is now. And like I said, with Duncan Robinson, eh, he's never going to be a he's never going to be an all NBA defender. He's never going to be. And they've been bringing him off the bench now, too, which I think is is another really good spot for him. Whether you want to start him or play him off the bench, you know what you're going to get for him. And it's an elite shooter from the outside. You know what I was going to say? He, he is that type of player that you, you said you have to be when you go to the league. There has to be one thing that you do that's elite. And Duncan Robinson can shoot the three better than or as good as anybody in the NBA. And that's why he's there. That goes back to our conversation about Duncanson. When you talk about guys like Poole and Robinson, 
you know, or, or Dickinson. I'm sorry. Where does Dickinson? <laughs> do I think Duncanson? Duncanson was the was the term there. <laughs> I I almost exploded into laughter, but I held it. I held it. Together. I caught it. I caught it. Dickinson. But yes. that you know that goes back to what does he do? That's elite. What's the one thing he can yeah. do that's elite that'll translate to the NBA? I don't know that he has it, but those other guys do have those qualities. I think you could make an argument that Duncan Robinson might have two because he's six eight at a two at, as a two guard. So you got yeah. you, he's got yeah. elite size and elite shooting as a two guard. He's you know he's he's a little slow of foot. Like I said, he's not gonna but he can defend because he's big. I mean, if he was six four, right? He might he's probably not even in the league. But he's six eight. He's got long arms. He can play out on the perimeter. He can he can play some defense because of his length. And then again, yeah, the shooting is as good as anybody in the NBA. So it's just awesome, dude. It's awesome seeing those guys that like Duncan Robinson, he's a senior in high school. He's probably like trying to figure out what he wants to do for a living. Like, Oh, maybe I'm pretty good at math. I might be able to like (laughs) the NBA. Yeah. There's no way he thought he was playing in the NBA. Then he goes to Michigan and then he, and then he goes pro and now he's, you know, he's been a, an everyday starter for, for the heat. But I, I, I do think they're bringing him off the bench in the playoffs They've been starting Tyler Hero. They've got some injuries they're dealing with there too. But anyway, just an awesome story, dude. You yeah. Go to the NBA, exceed all expectations, and, and sign a massive contract extension off of your rookie deal. Just incredible, dude. Jordan Poole and Duncan Robinson doing it at an all-time level with, uh, in terms of what they were in college, what they were thought to be when they got to the NBA, and now it's you know full steam at full speed ahead for both of them. So pretty cool, man. Pretty cool stuff. And I like watching the NBA, so I've seen them play. They put the Warriors on TV all the time. The Heat are on TV quite a bit. Um, so it's I've been able to watch them, watch them both play a good bit this year, and it's been cool to see. So now they're both making big time noise in the playoffs, which is uh, you know a whole other level. So there you go, Chris. We came back on a Monday. I know we said this off season schedule is Wednesday only, but we just can't stay away, dude. We can't. You know, we had to make a special exception for Davis Warren. I think absolutely. Absolutely. Those dudes are busy. It's always cool. And they give us their time. And he was on for like yeah. 30 minutes, man. So yeah. shout out to Davis Warren again for stopping by and talking to a couple knuckleheads. And I mean, it was, it was cool to see him out there throwing it. And then, yeah, when I read his story, I'm like, Oh my God, dude, this kid's like a miracle. Yeah. I mean, literally. Um, you know, he said it, he, he's, he almost was like at a loss for words. He's like, I, I'm just lucky. Luck of the draw, man. Lucky man. And that's got to be a pretty amazing feeling. So, again, really cool that he stopped by and talked to us. Are we lucky? Are we lucky about anything, Chris? What are you lucky for? Look at look at what we do for a living. Yeah, we are we are some of the luckiest guys on the planet, man. You're not going to get an argument from me. I remember when I was a teacher, like like my first week on the job with the Wolverine covering recruiting. I was like, you mean I could really go take a piss like whenever I want to? This is incredible. Dude. This is amazing, dude. Stole suits out of my car. Used to, I used to go. I used to move modular homes off their foundation and have to crawl under the crawl space that had been under there for like sixty years. With spy- I've, I've done some shit. Worked at some gas great. stations, like cleaning tires. Dude, this is cake. This is all world. Living the dream. There you have it. We'll be back on Wednesday with Paul Judah. Judah. Paul Judah. National champion. NCAA Son. champion. Absolute stud. So come back on Wednesday. We'll hear us talk again. We'll 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 think of something. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya.